The Two Mats is brought to you by the New European. If you like the contents of this podcast, The Two Mats, if you're a regular listener, you're going to love The New European. And I've got a very special subscription offer for you for just a pound a week or two pounds a week if you want the newspaper. And that's the price of a bottle of water, folks, a small bottle of water. You can get The New European delivered to your door every week and you'll be supporting great independent journalism and you'll be kicking back against the corrosive nationalism that helped bring Brexit to Britain's shores. You'll also get a £25 voucher to spend at The New European shop and you can get a great book we've just published on the Battle of Orgreave or you can get a t-shirt or you can get a mug or you can get a great bollocks to Brexit passport cover. So do the right thing please, support this podcast and also support The New European. Go to theneweuropean.co.uk forward slash two mats. That's the number two, M-A-T-T-S and there's a link in the show notes. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. Hello, welcome to the New European Podcast. My name's Richard Porritt, I'm joined by Steve Anglesey. Hello. A little bit later, we're going to be chatting to Jerry Scott. She's been on a jolly holiday to the Costa del Brexit. Brilliant. Yeah, I know, so that should be fun. And then, we'll crown a Brexiteer of the Week. But first, let's talk about the news. It's been a sort of fairly dark week, hasn't it? Is that just my mood? It has been, no, I think it has been a dark week. I mean, it's a, it's a sort of a Mexican standoff now, isn't it? Between the EU and the UK, each demanding that the other side move yeah. without really any yeah. potential for movement on either side. Yeah. I, think we've, I think what we have noticed as well is that the, the Brexiteers are clearly beginning to wake up to the consequences of this that the things that the the gold the sunlit uplands the unicorn stuff future Mm. is not going to happen and the eu are going to dig in and they are going to make this as difficult as possible yeah and i think that was made clear obviously by um, whining has begun hasn't it yeah really yeah 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 and the pips will squeak gladys knight and the pips will (laughs) squeak maybe that would be interesting but uh, european council president donald tusk of course i think Laid this fairly bare, didn't he? Uh, he responding did. to it. this is the the sort of starting point negotiation papers that have been sent out to EU twenty seven. Yes, highlighted the negative economic consequences. Yep, he did. He said only a free trade agreement was possible, um, and obviously we saw the government's projections of what that would do. Yeah, the other week, didn't we? The northeast would lose eleven percent. Exactly. Our agreement will not make trade between the UK and EU frictionless or smoother. Yes. It will make it more complicated and costly than today for all of us. This is the essence of Brexit. And 
what would the essence of I mean the essence of Brexit, the yeah. new perfume by yeah, Yardley? I'd like it. Um, but what would it smell of? We did ask some new European yeah, readers just before it. we came on. Darren Leithley, who's always good at this. Ah, yes, he's good. He said it would smell of Olber Soil and Werther's Originals. He also said it would smell of bit of fudge, which I think is good. <laughs> and Christopher Moore said it would smell of burnt jam. <laughs> yeah, and tomorrow. Anthony Bridge said stale beer and wet tweed, which is what yeah. I imagine Nigel Farage smells like, and with br- with a urine wet an undertone of yeah stale urine and yeah. fags. And then uh, Citizen Zane said unicorn, <laughs> but I don't know what that smells I like. I don't know what that smells like either. Mm. It's a bit like Skittles. But essence of Brexit. There were a lot of great quotes in this, weren't there? Um, he Xavier uh, Bettel, who's the, the the Luxembourg's prime minister, was was with uh, Tusk uh, when um, when he was making this speech, and he said that the UK they were in with a lot of opt outs. Now they are out. They want a lot of opt ins, <laughs> which I thought was good. But the crucial bit of both of those speeches. Um, it's it's just the it is just the the opposite of this. Well, they need us more than we need them, mm. so they will give us a deal. This attitude, which is as as you know, has just been pervasive from the start, and which I think they are the Brexiteers are now beginning to realise is not going to happen. And two crucial bits in this: Tusk said Theresa May's objective is to demonstrate at any price that Brexit will be a success, and it was the right choice. But sorry, that is not our objective. Mm. Of course it isn't. Mm. And Bettel said that we have to avoid giving the impression to other EU citizens that to be outside is more interesting than to be inside. And it is. Of course it's EU self-interest. Mm. Of mm. course it is. But that's what they're going to do. They're going to protect their union. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, it begs belief that anyone thought they wouldn't or is upset by this. I, I, yeah, exactly. I mean, I, we've been saying this. Over and over and over again. It's, it's the, we're recording this on Thursday. There is a magnificently whining and hysterical Paul Dacre editorial in today's Daily Mail, say, which, which does say, why are they doing this when plainly uh, we, they need us more than we need them? And even if that were true, the answer is to protect their unions, to protect themselves, uh, and, uh, and this is, you know, just deal with it. Yeah, yeah. It... it <laughs> At the same time, because so he he did say that there would be zero tariffs on some goods. Yes, he did. Um, but there would only be limited access for services. Yes, which is bad. Bad. It's only eighty percent of yeah. the economy. Uh, the exact almost exact same moment though. Yeah. Poor old spreadsheet Phil's on his feet saying, "I want to challenge the assertion that financial services can't be a part of a free trade agreement." I know. I mean, he appeared to say. We will give. I might have got this wrong, but I don't think I have. But didn't spreadsheet Phil say you can have rights to UK fishing waters if you give us protection for the city of London and our financial services? Sounds like a good deal, doesn't it? Which one, Michael Gove is not going to agree to nope. as the Environment Secretary. No. Nope. And two, surely, you know, as 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 Tusk said that, you know, if if we're going to give the EU access to our fishing waters, then surely the recompense for that is that we've got the right to sell our fish in the EU. Yeah. You know? I, why, you know, it smells a bit fishy to me. It's re- not really comparing stuff with... Uh, it's not really like for like, <laughs> is not it? not quite. Yeah. Um, I, I, just one last thing on Donald Tusk is still 
still Fleetwood Mac playing yeah, in my head. Yeah, always. Um, tell me about David Cameron. Well, David Cameron, uh, as we know, has sort of absented himself from this whole thing, hasn't he? He's the man who lit the dumpster fire, and now he's he's sort of gone away. Yeah. And um, he he has he's he's still very very quiet over Brexit. He did a little speech in Abu Dhabi uh, at the weekend, I think, saying that he felt that the country had uh, taken the wrong turn. He, he also said that um, he thought that having a referendum was still inevitable and it was mm. the only thing he could have done. Mm. So, so I, I didn't do anything wrong. But we hear that um, he consulted with Theresa May on the, the, the last um, very fluffy and fudgy Brexit speech that she made. Uh, he, he's made positive noises privately to her about that. But unlike John Major last week and unlike Tony Blair last week, he has got no plans for any sort of major... Brexit intervention, which has kind of ruined my idea last week yeah. that that Cameron, Major, Blair, and Brown should all get on a, a single stage and uh, and, still, and try and do something about it. They could still tour as a boy band. Well, they they could tour as a boy band, or I was thinking that they you know they could appear as a sort of new tricks style uh <laughs> new tricks and then i was sort of thinking well if you watch new tricks and if you didn't i would strongly advise you fast forward for the next 90 seconds or so <laughs> but jack halford who was james bolam's character he was a sort of a measured bloke but he tended to make a really rash decision and then and then he just disappeared completely. So I thought David Cameron could be Jack Halford, yeah. the James Bolam character. Yeah. Jerry Standing, he was Dennis Waterman's character. He was from a really poor and humble background, but he was a bit of a posh ladies' man. So I think John Major there. Yes. Brian Lane, I don't, he was Alan Armstrong's character. He was my favourite in New Tricks. He was. He had a really keen attention to detail, remarkable memory for obscure details, really good on the nitty-gritty, but completely socially inept and very eccentric. Can you think of anyone that... Uh, so, you know, sort of... It's going to be a difficult to fit that, isn't it? Yeah, it's Gordon Brown, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Um, and then... Um, and then that only leaves us with, um, with, with um, Sandra Pullman. Uh, um, and she was a high-flyer. Uh, in the Met, and then a catastrophic error of judgment turned her into a laughing stock, and <laughs> many of her colleagues never believed another thing that she said again. And obviously, Tony Blair could be um, well. There's none left, some... is there? So no, exactly. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. As part of his penance, he's he's got to be. Uh, well, that's the, good. I the think lady. I'm sure that the BBC uh, bosses are listening in. I'm sure that is being commissioned as we speak, even as we speak. Yeah. So no intervention, but maybe a revival of new tricks. Do you think that an intervention by Cameron would have been a good thing anyway? I mean, I think he's probably too. Well, I think he's probably too. Close to Theresa May, isn't he? And to you know, if he if it had been if if it had been the prime minister, if there'd been a prime minister in between, he might have said what he wants to say. Yeah. Um, um, I think. It, I mean, I, look. I think any. I think clearly those four people all know that Brexit is a disaster, just as Theresa May, in her heart of hearts, knows that Brexit is a disaster. Four former Prime Ministers with 22, 23 years of experience of running the country on a single stage saying this is the wrong thing to do would be an incredibly powerful thing. And if he had any balls about him, he would do it. Yeah. But he doesn't. No, no. 
Um, okay. as, as was proved by calling the referendum yeah. to make a pro- small problem go away. Yeah. Nicola Sturgeon. Talking of small problems who, <laughs> who won't go away. She's a feisty one, isn't she's she? She's a feisty one. I, re- I really like Nicola Wee Sturgeon. Nicola. But she's in a bit of a catch-22 situation, isn't she? I think that she should set... She should. Um, she should present her speeches in like a comic book style and be sat on a pail at the end. <laughs> like, oh, Willie. <laughs> I love oh, Willie. It's great, isn't it? It is great. She hasn't really got much say or power in this, has she? But she doesn't half like flinging the muck at Theresa May and the government, which is always great fun. Well, it is. She said that uh, Brexit is a, well, warned against an ex- the extreme Brexit ideological experiment. Yes. She was writing in the Scotsman newspaper, actually. She she writes, The UK government's EU withdrawal bill must be changed to protect, protect devolution. Anything less will simply confirm the impression of an arrogant Tory government which now thinks it can do what it wants to Scotland and get away with it. you think that's fair enough? Uh, I think I think that is fair enough. And, and I think that, you know, in... in I mean, the, the, the Scottish vote was a, a resoundingly clear vote for... To, to remain in the EU, just as mm-hmm. the English vote yeah. was a resoundingly clear vote to get out of the yeah, EU, yeah. Um, and uh, and it's a it's a it's a terrible position that that, that Scotland find themselves in, and you know we're close to a meeting, aren't we, between Sturgeon and May, and these hundred and eleven powers, or um, I think well, they are powers, aren't they? They're, they are a hundred and eleven powers. That the the SNP want to directly import from the EU yeah. and enshrine in Scottish law, mm. um, you would have thought that based on the, that result, it would be their right. But of course, the, the 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 word from from Downing Street from day one was that we are leaving the the EU together. The whole UK is leaving the EU together, and they that, you know they're they're offering her a compromise, aren't they, of some EU laws being enshrined more than. We will get, but they don't really cover the important things: agriculture, fisheries, yes, the environment. I mean, the, there's a little, there's a slight problem, isn't there, with with Nicola's um, Brexit mud slinging because she has got an ulterior motive, and that is to uh, get Scotland out of the well, yeah. Britain. So, I mean, the, yeah. there is there is that. Um, but I find it hard to yes, there is that. But I find it hard to see what her how she wins this when they can just go. We'll just have another referendum then, yeah. and that is a referendum that, at the moment, she knows that she isn't going to win. Yeah, she's. She's. I mean, it, 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 for her, it is. It is just um, words. That's all she's got, really. Isn't yes. It? Uh, sadly, right. Let's talk. I want to just touch on Henry Bolton. Oh, one nation. One have you nation. Joined? One nation. I was hoping that it, it was going to be called One Nation Under a Groove, but I think that <laughs> I think that Joe Marnie has. Um, was scuppered that one. Uh, is he employing Joe Marnie? I hope. I hope she's going to be the immigration spokesman. Yeah, yeah that would be good. You see, I've, I'm in a bit of a dilemma now because I joined the Democrats and Veterans. Oh, the the, the gay donkey party. The, yeah, the gay yeah. donkey party. Because I wanted to meet that donkey because it can hold a flag. It can hold a flag, which yeah. is extraordinary. It's remarkable. So my that, membership card's in the post. If the leader was that donkey, I feel that. Opposably thumbed donkey. I feel that it would be a, a breakthrough. Wouldn't I it? think you might be right, but now I'm in a quandary because one nation under a groove. Yeah, 
Open brackets open under brackets a crew. Under a crew. Have you seen their um, logo? It, it's a Z, it's a, an O with a one in it, isn't it? Yeah, but the one isn't quite in the centre. It's not quite <laughs> centred correctly. Yeah. I mean, even I could have probably sorted yeah. how to centre it. Out. Yeah, yeah. And then, as we pointed out on the website, it does bear a striking resemblance to the uh, Thames TV idents from the from the eighties. That's right. It's got the it's got the Houses of Parliament reflected, hasn't it? Which the... bring back happy memories for me, watching children's TV and stuff in a. At lunchtime. Yes, that's right, yeah. And now that's been ruined by Mad Henry and his new One Nation party. He quoted Disraeli, didn't he? Oh, he did, And yeah. he's, um, he, ch- he chose Racing Green. Yes. As his colour. <laughs> he did. British Racing Green. Do you know, obviously a lot of thought has gone into this. Yeah. You know, they have crossed every T and dotted every I, haven't they? They have, yeah. But do you know what they forgot to do? Go on. Register with the Electoral Commission. Oh. So we can't join this party at the moment because it doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a ma- it's just a man with a logo. Oh no, a man with a logo and a young girlfriend. Oh, she, dear. I bet she was like, oh, I'm getting fed up of him knocking around the house. She probably forced him into it, didn't she? Yeah. Go on, do go something. Go on, up a party. Yeah, go on. Create your own logo. It's easy. What we should talk about more seriously is the um, lords. The lords. Yes. The lords this week, and I've long talked about how. Hope lies with the lords. Mm. There you go. Hope lies with the lords. Yeah, beautiful. I see how they can take an all well. It's nice. That, twisted isn't it? it. Yeah, I like it. They've been great this week. Uh, this obviously the the withdrawal bill is in is in the upper chamber. It's a mammoth session. This three hundred amendments have got to be debated. It's pretty much in one direction. I have to say from yeah. the lords, they are not keen on this. No. The main sticking point, of course, is the uh, Henry VIII powers yes. in a bill. So Henry VIII powers basically mean the executive can make up laws on the hoof and it'll get very little parliamentary scrutiny. Yes. The reason that they're there is because this is an almighty cluster of laws all getting trimmed yeah, together exactly. and sewn together. And, and it's, you know, it, it, it's like building a skyscraper in a day. Mm. That is what they say. That's why they say they've got to have these laws. That's not good enough, clearly. No, it is. Let me read you this from Lord Wilson. This was great, yeah. This is the dream of tyrants through the ages. It is something which is repugnant in the history of this country and the development of our legal system. Douglas Hogg, uh, Viscount Hailsham, said If you give powers to ministers and officials, those powers will be abused, sometimes by design. Sometimes in inadvertence, but the abuse will happen, and that is certain. I mean, it's terrifying. It is These terri- people know what they're talking about. They do, yeah. You know, uh, Douglas Hogg, former cabinet minister, yeah, knows exactly. what he's talking about, and he's saying this bill will be abused. Of course, um, of course it will, and it's not good enough, is it, for the government to say, as they've said in the past, well, we'll just get this through, and then we can repeal all this stuff, and we'll do it. I seem to remember... I seem to remember Senator Palpatine saying much the same <laughs> when he persuaded kindly Jar Jar Binks to, exactly. to, to vote to give him emergency powers. Exactly. And, um, and look how that turned out. Well, yes. Not well, well for well, anyone. Well, well, we don't quite know how it turned out yet, do we? Not well for Senator Palpatine in the end. No, that's true. He had a good run, though. He did. To be fair, he got his Brexit through. He did. He did. <laughs> um, so that's what we've got to look forward to. Yeah. Death Star. The Death Star. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that would be... I mean, if that was an unexpected side effect of Brexit, 
The Brex star. <laughs> the Brex star. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know what? And Theresa May's face this went all, you know, all sort of yeah. craggy, and she could do Force Lightning. Yeah, that'd be good, actually, wouldn't it? It would be. I'd pay to watch that. Do you think... And then Adonis swung in with, with his... <laughs> With his lightsaber. <laughs> I mean, who this is be, actually quite good. Who would be Princess Leia? Well, it, Gina Miller. Oh, of course. Perfect. Of course. Perfect. Chewbacca. <laughs> Chewbacca. <laughs> I don't know. Who would, who's, the, who's the hairiest Remainer? <laughs> it might be you. It could be me, yeah. <laughs> you could be me. Chewbacca. Could Give be us the, a bit of Chewbacca. It could be the Chewbacca. But the idea... Um, yeah. Okay. To be to be developed. Yeah. We'll work a on tedious that. Length you can help us with that. Of this podcast. <laughs> you can help us with that at the New European on Twitter. <laughs> Let us know. Um, but no, good, re, strong stuff from the lords. They've given me a little bit of hope, and I'm glad they're doing their job. That's what this is all about. I mean, you mentioned David Davis off air. Yeah. David, so David Davis um, was asked about this, wasn't he? And he said, that, you know, we we won't let these people thwarts Brexit. They want to stop Brexit and we're not going to let them. They won't be able to stop Brexit. And I think every member of the House of Lords who's spoken about this, uh, in the chamber and out of the chamber, Andrew Adonis has said it many yeah, times, yeah. the Lords aren't there to stop Brexit. No. They're there to make this, leg- to fine-tune, to do their job, to, to cut out the bad bits of this legislation and then send it back to the Commons where it can be voted on. So another pointless intervention by David Davis. Yeah, yeah. Well, he is fairly pointless, isn't he? He is. Okay. The grand Moff Tarkin of Brexit. <laughs> I'm going to speak to Jerry next. Stay angry. Fight Brexit. Subscribe to The New European. Your first 13 issues of The New European are only £13 when you join us and become a subscriber. Order by telephone by calling 01858 438840 and quoting Podcast One. Or order online at our website, www.neweuropean.co.uk. Stay angry. Fight Brexit. Subscribe to The New European. Welcome back. I'm joined by Jerry. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I am great. It's really great. <laughs> good. <laughs> now, you've been on a jolly holiday, haven't I you? I have. I've been on holiday. I've been to Spain. Which is very exciting. Wow. I've been to the classic British resort on the Costa del Sol. You're like an international playboy. That That's what they call me, yeah. Yes. Very true. <laughs> yeah, that's what they call me when I get off the plane. Look who it is. Um, <laughs> People screaming like the Beatles. Didn't yeah, you have a guitar signs, you held up? Paparazzi are all over me. Um, I love that, don't you? When you when you go to an airport where you've got to exit the plane on the stairs and you get to walk across a little bit of sort of tarmac. Yeah, but it's usually my mum that's at the other end with a banner with my name on. It's not quite as glamorous as it would be otherwise yeah I've been to Spain I've been on to the Costa del Sol and I've been speaking to British expats okay tell so just set the scene because it it was February I think end of February it was was, yeah and uh, not warm really it was pretty dreary if I'm honest like a bit like a British summertime right so Um, it's like okay and and how open what was the actual resort so this is Fuengarola okay yeah um, it's near Malaga. Yeah. It's big for British expats. There's a massive expat um, kind of community over there. You can tell as soon as you get there. Really? Um, the streets are full of British pubs, Irish bars. Right. Um, Sounding all right this far. <laughs> sleazy sex shop. <laughs> <laughs> really? 
Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, I found one pub called The Yorkshire Lad, which I yes. thought you'd enjoy. Yes, you sent right me a picture of that. Yes, I'm, I'm, I've booked my ticket. Excellent I'm gonna, In fact, I'm going to book more than one ticket while you told me. <laughs> The shops are there. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I did spend some time there talking to um, British people about uh, what they thought about Brexit. Okay, so I imagine these people that you met, they live in the EU. Mm-hmm. They're probably quite supportive of Britain staying in the EU. You'd make their life easier, wouldn't it? Look, I've got to admit, there was a mix. Right. Um, because not to be at all, obviously, disparaging of the fine people that live on the Costa del Sol. Of course not, of course um, not. But, you know, when you think of people who voted for Brexit, a lot of them do do live out there. They do, um, and they have that kind of politics. Um, you know, there are a couple of people I spoke to. There's a woman called Sandra. She's a teacher. She's 57, and she's moved out there because of Brexit. Right. And it's basically, she has lived abroad years and years and years, um, taught abroad, and um, her thing was the vote happened, and she thought, well, I best do it now. If I'm going to do it, yeah, I've yeah. got to do it now before the shutters come down. Yeah. Um, I spoke to another guy called Dave. Um, he's from Scotland, um, and he said, you know, he just felt cheated all over again, just like he did with the independence right. referendum. Right. Um, so explain that. So he wanted he wanted independence. Uh, but so he didn't want Brexit. So he voted not to be independent because they wanted to stay in Europe. Oh, so I his see, point I was, see. you know, yeah, 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 if we go point. independent, there's no guarantees Europe going to let us in. Yeah. So yeah, fair point. Um, and now he feels like, oh well, what was the bloody point, basically? Yeah. 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 But my standout character of the trip was Leonard. Leonard. Leonard sent me. Len. Len. He he goes by Len, yeah. Yeah. He called me Jerry, so let's go by Len. Um, And Len has lived out there, you know, most of his kind of retired life, at least. Um, He's a widower. He's got kids. Um, And Nigel Farage is his hero. His hero? His hero. A bit opposite to this podcast, I'd say. I imagine Len is listening, though. And Len will be listening. I'm absolutely high Len. Um, so let, let's. Let, I'm interested in Len a bit yeah. more. So what? Do you, so where did you meet Len? So I met Len. Not um, in a CZ, CZ <laughs> sex show. I met Len. Um, he. I, I got in contact with him on um, a expat group on Facebook actually, uh-huh, and he came uh-huh. and met me um, in a little plaza where I was in, fully embracing the Spanish lifestyle yeah. of having some tapas and wine yeah. um, mid afternoon. Well, you do that in when you're in England. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> um, but Len came and met me. Um, and Len was, I would say, your um, classic Brexit voter. Right. Len was worried about immigration. Len was worried He's about... an immigrant. Well, yes. He goes over there stealing all the <laughs> women, maybe, I don't know, jobs. Perhaps not if he's retired. <laughs> Len wasn't stealing anyone's women. No. Um, yeah, so no. Len, Len um, yeah, he, he was worried about immigration. And as, you know... The irony of him being an expat and living Sorry. over in Spain. Did you point that out to him? I did point that out to him. And his point was that he pays into all the countries that he's lived in. Um, which, of course, then there is the point that a lot of, you know, <laughs> that happens here as well. Um, he's completely swallowed the myth. Absolutely. That... Len was Len voted for UKIP previously. He said he wouldn't now. And this was when Henry Bolton was still leader when I spoke got to him. Got a bit soft for him. Yeah, got a bit soft for him. Absolutely. He well, said he they'd lost their Henry's way. New party. He can join one nation. Well, he might do. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so he wouldn't vote for them now. But um, his view was that most of the people out there in Spain have the same view as him, which I found really, really interesting. Because in my... The British people. Yeah, the British right. people. Um, 
And I think that's definitely one of those kind of in-your-own-bubble effects. Yeah, because yeah. out of the people I spoke to, it was pretty evenly split. Was it? Okay, well, that's encouraging. I was I was imagining that you would get a big, you know, dollop of Brexiteers. Well, I was as well. But, you know, you can argue maybe that the people with the stronger views on each end are coming out to talk. Was there an age difference between the more... Bre- were the more Brexity older, basically? Yes, yeah, essentially, yeah. 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 Um, the younger people were more worried about it. They were wanting to stay in the EU. They were worried about what was going to happen. Actually, in one of the towns up the mountain a bit called Mihas, there was a meeting in the town hall which sounded really positive and it was encouraging all the Brits that were living there that nothing was going to change. Yeah. But essentially, they can't guarantee that. No, no, they can't. Obviously, they don't want anything to change because of the impacts of their economy if suddenly people yeah. start leaving. so this is another coming. really interesting part, actually. A lot of the property in that area is owned by Brits. Mm. Um, and, a, you know, a good handful of them have left. They're selling up. And a lot of um, kind of Scandinavian people are going in and buying up right. this cheap property. Right. So for Spain itself, I'm not sure they're too worried because... No. Somewhere else will come in. People like sun, sea, sand, sleazy sex shops. Well, I mean, speak for yourself, but... Um... <laughs> Wait a minute, you told us you were from Great Yarmouth. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> well, you know, this is the thing. Fungarola is essentially Great Yarmouth in Spain. Um, and a lot of people have the same attitudes there as they do in Great Yarmouth. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but they're the, you know, it's a very leave town yeah, yeah, in yeah, yeah, Yarmouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, a lot of people in Fungarola have similar similar views. Um but yeah, so I'll be writing a piece for the paper on all of this. This is a little, just a little taste. Where you can of... see Len in the flesh. Yes, excellent. Okay. So, uh, you, it, was it a positive experience, just before we finish on this, or or was it pretty sort of depressing? I don't mean the place, <laughs> I mean... Do you know what, on both sides, whether they were, whether they voted leave or remain, everyone was kind of down about it. Uh-huh. So when yeah. I asked them how they thought things were going, right, no one thought it was going well. When I asked them what the future held, no one really felt it was going to be great, apart from Len, who did say that this country is the greatest country in the world and it's going to return to being the greatest country in the world. But he's going to stay in Spain. But he's going to stay in Spain. Well, it is warmer, to yeah. be fair to him. All right. Thanks, Jerry, and thanks, Len. Brexiteer of the Week. Welcome back, Steve. It's time for Brexiteer of the Week. It is time for the Brexiteer of the Week. Let's start with not one Brexiteer, but two Brexiteers, Jacob Rees-Mogg and Nadine Dorries. What a couple. They are. (laughs) (laughs) It's a... Oh, boy. Imagine the offspring. The the images I'm seeing now in my mind are not for publication. (laughs) Nadine Dorries called John Major, she's refused to apologise. She called John Major a traitor, didn't she? And she's refused to apologise for calling him a traitor. And I just wanted to remind everybody that Nadine Dorries voted against the Conservatives 43 times since Mm. 2005. Don't know what that makes her. Begins with T. Does. Yeah, but maybe not traitor. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Jacob Rees-Mogg. Called, said John Major, who obviously was was grew up in a one in a council flat, didn't he? In, in Brixton. Brixton, yeah. Comp um, boy, wasn't he? Yes. Jacob Rees-Mogg grew up in an 18th century country house, and then he went to Eton, then yeah. he went to Oxford, and then he became a Rothschild's investment <laughs> banker, and he yeah. called John Major part of the elite. Yes. So there yes. you go. Also interesting with those two this week is that they both retweeted a Sun article which was about tariffs and how once we got out of the EU 
uh, on the glorious day that tariffs would come off all of these things and everyone would be a lot richer. High street prices are set to tumble after Brexit. I, I, did, re- I did read this and, and I was I was Brexity for a the, little while. The big highlight was that £6.16 would be knocked off the price of 20 cigarettes. I, I'd vote for that. Mozzarella type cheese <laughs> would go down 69p and a £400 flat screen TV would cost just £344. And Reese Mogg and Nadine Dorries both retweeted this and said how marvellous it was. Now... There are a few problems with this piece. Tariffs are levied on import prices, not retail prices, so all the calculations were completely wrong. Uh, The the £6.16 offer packet of fags forgot to mention the UK duty that's on cigarettes uh, that we impose, nothing to do with the EU. Uh, And then all of the products mentioned above, most of our cigarettes come from Poland. Yeah. Did you know that? I didn't, I didn't know that. Didn't. So they come from Poland. So all of the products that are mentioned above are all imports from the EU and they don't attract any tariffs in the first place. Mm. The so sun. they will get more expensive. The Sun have had the good grace to delete this piece from their website, um, but Nadine Doris and Jacob Rees-Mogg have yet to apologise for it. The Sun news desk have had a bit of a wobbly week. Did you see that um, story about well, uh, Snowflake students are now saying that Frankenstein's monster was the real victim of the novel? It's incredi- quite <laughs> incredible, isn't it? Um, they, they, yes, they don't really understand the point of, of Frankenstein, do they? Um, let's turn to Steve Bannon next. Oh, yes, please. Because the, the Brexiteers really do attract all the best people, don't they? And, He's great. And uh, the, the Telegraph thought that, I think that, that they led with this, didn't they? On uh, Saturday or Sunday of last week, they led with Steve Bannon slagging off the EU. Steve Bannon said the EU would be vicious and dismissive over Brexit. And that is Steve Bannon, Donald Trump's former sideman, who uh, called Hillary Clinton a total phony, a grinder but not smart, an apple polisher who couldn't pass the DC bar exam, a joke and a fucking bull dyke. Mm. So, vicious and dismissive. Just a bit. Yeah. Nigel Farage? Oh, yeah. Should we talk about Nigel Farage? It was on Question Time. Um, it was after we recorded last week's it podcast, was, yes. wasn't it? It was a joyous it, yeah, hour. It was. And David Dimbleby said to him, well, you've you've flirted with the idea of a second referendum. And he said, no, I haven't. What I said was that I feared a second referendum. And that's exactly right, because on the Channel 5's The Right Stuff show, on January the 11th, Nigel Farage clearly said that what he feared was a second referendum and he didn't want one. And he said, I'm reaching the point of thinking we should have a second referendum... um, and uh, on the uh, on the deal on EU membership, and Matthew Wright said, "What do you mean the whole thing?" And he said, "Of course, I mean the whole thing. A second referendum on UK membership." Fake news. Yeah. So he fe- he said he feared that, but he didn't. He he actually said he was in favour of it, and then he thought uh, 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 about it again. And I also wanted to mention that there there's an extraordinary image it's in the, this week's New European of a man who's had the head <laughs> yes. of Nigel Farage tattooed on his knees. Oh dear me. And. You know, we've all heard of knobbly knee contests, but this is clearly the first knob-on-your-knee <laughs> contest. Um, Shall we talk about Morrissey now? Uh, well, we, ha- we have spoken about Morrissey We've talked about occasions. him before. Um, he- he's-, he's on this tour the at the moment. This is the thing about Brexit. <laughs> yeah. It really, you, you, I have dedicated you love Morrissey, years and years of my life to this man, and he 
he's letting me down. He started his, his, his gig in Brixton. I know he's playing again at Ali Pali, isn't he? Mm. Uh, which which my, my great friend Kevin is going to. <coughs> but he started his gig in uh, at Brixton by rushing to the front of the stage and screaming, bring back free speech. He did that twice. Uh, who knows why? And then... Towards the end, his really poor new song, Jackie's Only Happy When She's Up On The Stage, he changed the words from running for the exit to running for the Brexit. Clever, that, isn't it? And I just wonder whether he will change any more lyrics. Hand in gove, the sun shines out of our behinds. And, That's good, I And like if the that. vote leave boss crashes into us to die by your side would be a heavenly way to die. Hand in gove. Hand in gove. That's like another, that. that's that's another disturbing image, isn't it? I can it certainly must... feel the soil falling over my head. Yes, things. very much so. <laughs> it must be said that Morris is also doing all this brexit stuff while uh, backed by a band who were dressed up as the Black Panthers and he's selling uh, T-shirts of James Baldwin at these gigs. We, we, I mean, Mike I, Baldwin, I could see, but I, but the, James Baldwin it doesn't. I don't, I'm not sure James Baldwin would agree with some of the views that Morrissey has espoused. For, for one of the greatest lyricists of the past fifty years, some I know you don't agree with that, but I, I certainly believe that. Yeah, something has gone very awry, very very wrong in rotten in the state. He was on of the Morrissey. Red Wedge tour. He was on the Red Wedge tour. Yeah. Shall we finish, though, with this week's Brexiteer of the Week? And it's a, it's a great return for Roger Helmer. Oh, remember that lovely picture of him having a little sleep in the, in the EU Parliament when he was just thinking about how lovely Brexit would be. And then it, oh, <laughs> Dreaming just, about it. just shut my eyes and imagine. The paradise oh, of Brexit. Oh, he had a little snooze, didn't he, and somebody took a picture of him. Anyway, Roger Helmer has been in New Zealand. And from there, he tweeted... In New Zealand for a couple of days, I am struck again by the disgraceful way in which we cut off New Zealand agriculture at the knees in 1973 when we joined the EEC. It was a disgrace. No one offered New Zealand a transition period. Mm. And, you know, it is a disgrace. That is completely right. And he's 100% right about that. Awful. Apart from the fact that we did have a transition period for trade with with uh, with New Zealand after we joined the EU, and it lasted for five years, yeah. and uh, we guaranteed to take a certain amount of their dairy products, and in fact, New Zealand lamb is still widely available. Yeah. yeah. So apart from that, he's completely right. Back to sleep. And he can now <laughs> return to napping, Roger. So Roger Helmer is the Brexiteer of the week. Roger, congratulations. Steve, tell the listener what to do right this Second, it would be really helpful if you would go to your podcatching item of choice, uh, so iTunes or Audio Boom or however you do this, and give us lots of lovely five star reviews. Leave good reviews for us, tell your friends about the New European. You can also follow us on Twitter at the New European, and you can join uh, our groups on Facebook. We've got a Facebook. New European Readers Group. You can also just follow us on Facebook at the New European. You can follow me on Twitter at Steve Anglesey. Sorry, at S Anglesey. S A N G L E S E Y. And you can follow me at Porritt. P O R R I T. That was the New European Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. It means a great deal to us. If you haven't already, go out and buy the paper. It's a stonker. £2.50. Lots of politics. Lots of Brexit, but don't be fooled by that. There's also lots of arts and lots of culture. Until next week, Mr Campbell, play those bagpipes.
should we do? Should we see if she's the soil falling over my head? What am I doing? Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com So, Retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, on Monday, it's the anniversary of kids' classic, The Very Hungry Caterpillar. On Tuesday, how Rockford became the cheese of kings. On Wednesday, we meet the Jobs and Wozniak of the 1800s. On Thursday, the history of the YMCA, from the City of London to the village people. And on Friday, the edgy musical that made Greece the word. We discuss this and more on Today in History with the Retrospectors. Ten minutes each weekday, wherever you get your podcasts.